Hey everyone, this is Arnold from With Warm Welcome. Welcome back to the podcast. We are back after 15 months of hiatus and we are coming back with a new name. It's called Weekly Welcome. A lot of that has to do with the fact that we have a lot of projects now under the With Warm Welcome umbrella. And so I just wanted to make sure that the podcast reflects that. And then also the name is a nod to the fact that I'm really gunning to release an episode once a week for the rest of the year. That is, that's the goal. So hopefully you can hold me accountable too, because I really want to be able to get to that goal in 2022. And we have some amazing guests lined up that are all based in Los Angeles, some great visionaries. And first person we have up for today is Tuin. And Tuin is the co-founder, CEO of Vervet. Vervet is an awesome canned cocktail beverage. Everything is locally sourced. I mean, he really does think about sustainability, representation throughout his company structure. I, I love the way he thinks and he's become a really good friend over time. Um, we're supposed to connect quite a bit ago because he was supposed to be on the podcast. I was on a break. But now that we brought it back, I wanted to make sure that he was the first person I had on the show. So he's a very special guy to me. Um, been incredibly helpful in helping me assimilate and get it adjusted to the life here in LA. And so um, I really appreciate him and I really appreciate him being on the show. Hope you enjoy his story as much as I did. He's a very interesting guy. And without further ado, this is Tuin Lee with Vervet. I'm so excited to have you, man. I'm I'm very appreciative you came out here. Um, you know, we met initially because you were supposed to be on the podcast and I was on a break, but we still met up anyway. And um, you had different looking cans at the time too. Yeah, at the time we were, um, yeah, first of all, it's, it's really great to be here, Arnold, and thanks for having me on. We've been friends for a minute. But yeah, at that time when we first met, Vervet um, was going through a rebirth mm. you know the the scheduling of the launch of vervet tied into the events of the pandemic kind of and also what was going on with the co-founders and our own personal lives like all combined we nearly lost the business wow and then when we met um that was when you know we became we were actually going through a lot of support on the outside efforts you know, particularly me, we had to work with, you know, working with investors, um, which kind of led to the rebirth of Vervet, which is what you see today. But that was, that was, you know, an accumulation of months and months of work. No, I'm sure. I'm sure. And I'm, I'm, we're going to definitely get into that. But the biggest thing, and we talked about this yesterday as we're getting ready for this podcast together, and you brought it up first, and I want to maybe start here on the website. And it's something that you kind of tell everybody about is that Vervet is an American brand. What does that mean? You know, I, I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. Sure. <laughs> Way to just like not. <laughs> it's a micro, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, I think 2016 at the, the idea stage, I think there was a couple things going on with me. As you know, I worked in restaurants, but I also worked in advertising as a commercial yep. photographer. At the time, there was just, you know, all these brands, you know, brands announce launches continuously. Mm. And at that time, there was a lot of LA brands launching or American brands launching and all American brands launching. 
And, you know, I think for, for people like us who've been historically excluded, it's really laughable because the definition was so narrow. Mm. So my vision of what is an L.A. brand or an all-American brand is far more inclusive. You know, Vervet is, because we're rooted and born out of L.A., the, the visualization of our brand is... Asian American heavy, just because we have such a strong presence here and the founding team, you know, we're Viet Korean and Filipino as a starting team. So the, my definition of American brand um, includes what America always has been, which is a collection of many people and cultures from all around the globe. Mm. It's more of a global vision. Mm -hmm. And for people that don't know, you're actually half Korean, half Vietnamese. Tell us a little bit about just growing up with that identity, especially, I, I read that you actually grew up in St. Louis. I did not know this. So, <laughs> wow. Well, growing up, um, being in Vietnamese and Korean is not what it means today, mm. right? I would say in the last year, it's that's a lot, right? Yeah, it's become <laughs> it's become cool. I, you know, dare I say that it was not cool growing up. You know, I was joking. I think with a friend. Um, I have friends who are like. British and French. Oh, wow. And like French and Spanish. Right. You know, right, every right, time right. they're, they're like around in a social group. Oh, wow. That's French. cool, right? Yeah. That, that's so cool. You know, and just like leads to a lot of questions. They, you know, everyone wants to sort of engage with this person. I think we're just starting to get a sense of that and a taste of it. Like when people find out that I'm Vietnamese and Korean, that sparks a lot of interest. You know, I've never experienced that. Of course. You know, growing up being Vietnamese and Korean, um, was something that I really tried to hide, certainly through grade school, junior high, and high school. It wasn't until college when, you know, I made a more, I made a choice, like, you know, to really lean and begin to celebrate my identities. Mm. I mean, were there any other difficulties that came with just being who you were in Missouri, you know, growing up? Was it pretty early where you re recognized and realized that you were not white and, you know, your, of your identity? Yeah, well, I think one of the difficulties was, um, they never, I think the, 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 the community that I grew up in, they just stopped at Asian. You know, they didn't even, they didn't even care right, right, to right, learn right, right, like right. what kind of Asian. Right, you right. Know? It was Asian. It was, yeah. So all Asian jokes applied, right? So I think that was, <laughs> that was really, like, it didn't make sense as a kid. No, I'm, I'm not Chinese. Like, what, that doesn't what does really that mean, matter, right? yeah. you know? Um, I think that was just one of the difficulties of just, just, having a receptive community to actually try to learn who you were, yeah, you know, and absolutely. to begin to humanize you at that, that, at that age. Yeah. I, I think the, the most important thing for me too, is before we even get to your brand, Revet, which is an amazing canned cocktail brand, if you haven't heard of it already, I want to get to know you a little bit more. And so for me, I know you lived like nine lives before you started this company. So tell me a little bit about what you were doing prior to this and just maybe leading up to how you launched this company. Yeah, my entrepreneurship journey um, is, is interesting. It comes, you know, later in life after I've had a, a collection of many experiences. You know, um, my experience and main passions and interests are like visual storytelling. Mm. You know, as a photographer, I'm still passionate about photography um, and cooking and bars and restaurants, you know. So I've worked in both spaces. You know, my first job was I started as a, a dishwasher in Olive Garden. I did not know this. Wow. Yes, absolutely. My first job was a dishwasher too. 
Yeah. yeah. I was a dishwasher in Olive Garden. It was so funny. I was so young. And I remember thinking to myself, um, oh, my God, I can't wait to get promoted to busser. Was, Dude, me too. <laughs> that was a big deal. That was, like that was a big deal. Aspiration. That was a big deal. You know? And then I got a mixed schedule, right? Like, oh, I got one busing shift this week. Right, you right, know, right. the rest, you know, that was, that was a good week. Um, but eventually, you know, I you know, worked almost every position in front of house. Wow. Uh, At Olive Garden. No, no, no. Throughout through multiple restaurants. Oh, I worked wow. at like five different restaurants. Gotcha. Um, bar manager, bartender to eventually GM. Um, and at that time, um, you know, I loved, I mean, growing up here in America, how can you just not fall in love with film and TV and photography, mm, the mm, visual storytelling mm. and being able to be a part of it? Mm. Um, and one of the regulars at one of the restaurants uh, in St. Louis, Missouri was a photographer and he had, he was a working professional living photographer mm. making having an incredible life so i started working for him and he really opened my eyes his name is michael eastman and being able to see that you could have this life as a photographer as a visual artist kind of mm. just blew my mind back then you know like coming up as an asian american that anything the art you know we all know that it's just off limits <laughs> you do you just don't that's not for you right um but there I got to learn visual storytelling and marketing and advertising. So Vervet is like a combination of all of that. My interest in brand building, mm. you know, and working for so many other brands and mm. seeing where, you know, eventually as entrepreneurs, you really do think like, gosh, you know, someday if I am lucky enough and have the privilege to start my own brand, this is what I would do because you work for so many brands. And then, of course, like, I love, I love food and beverage because that's a form of storytelling, too. Oh, 100%. So they combined, and uh, that's, that's what, what really motivated and what Vervet was born out of. Right, right. And so to kind of fast forward the story, I read that you met your founders, uh, co-founders at a bar in Los Feliz. Is this correct? And this is how kind of Vervet started? True story. This is a true story. We all met in a bar. That's awesome. Um, how appropriate. Yeah. Very on brand, too. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's almost like we planned it, but I <laughs> swear to you, we didn't. Um, yeah, we all met at, uh, in Los Feliz at, at a bar called Mess Hall. It's actually a bar and restaurant. It's had a great craft cocktail program. Mm. And Alex and I were regulars there. Um, and Hope was one of the bartenders. She would just have us try all different types of you know, R&D drinks, and we all just became really good friends. Um, and then eventually, you know, you just realize when you kind of put your business hat on, like, oh, you know, there's no, there's no canned cocktails in the market. <laughs> so, Especially at the time, too. At the t at, absolutely. At the time, there wasn't. So we uh, decided to come together. I pitched them. I'm like, hey, let's start this. Wow. And they were down for it. And um, we were doing something that hadn't been done before. And that's okay. You know, we learned and then we figured out our own process. It was painful. It was really hard, but I'm really proud of where the product is now. And this is around what time? What year? Did 2000, you guys start talking? 2016 and 17 was okay. kind of like the idea stage and exploratory stage. Okay. You know, okay. we were basically not even using Slack then. We were just using text messaging like, hey, what do you think about this? And if we did this? And, you know, we didn't really formalize um, until 2019. Okay. It's like when our legal paperwork got started. But up until then, we were doing a lot of R&D work and then developmental work. Like, how are we going to produce our cocktails and mm. just doing research in those areas? Mm. Got it. 
And the name Vervet, I love it. Um, for the people that don't know, why'd you choose that name? What does it mean? What does it signify? So Vervet, um, you know, there is there's like this this popular uh, kind of like story um, that a lot of early humans would see animals eating fallen fruit after they they fermented, mm. and you know they'd act silly, mm. and we might have like you know mimicked that behavior. So that's kind of what inspired the name. I was doing a lot of research and came across these monkeys in the Caribbean called vervet monkeys, mm. and they love cocktails. And when you're not paying attention, they'll steal them. That's hilarious. <laughs> and they're super so that's cute. that's story, huh? Yeah, they're really cute. They're super social. And um, that's what inspired the name. Awesome. I mean, the, I didn't put the two and two together until I saw vervet monkeys on your cans. And I thought it was the most random thing when I didn't know what your name meant. Why do you have monkeys? I think I remember asking. I was like, hey, what's up with these monkeys that are just on this can? It seems so random. But I'm so glad that you get to share what that actually means. Um, the other, the, 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 one thing, since we're talking about the can too, I love, I love the new look. I know you worked really, really hard on it. So I want to talk a little about just, just the branding and you have cheers and X amount of languages to talk, walk me through that branding process too. So this was a really fun, fun process. And for me, like when I was creating the strategy of the brand was how do we create a, this multicultural vision? You know. You know, both of us, you and I have traveled to Asian countries a lot, but even traveling into Mexico, I would see packaging, food and beverage packaging at the stores all the time with uh, multiple languages on it. They were already executing these beautiful multicultural design systems, mm. but they were doing it from their perspective, mm. you know, kind of anchored with the bias towards that country and that culture. And I thought, well, wouldn't it be cool to do a multicultural design system, which I feel is the true American design system. You know, the default should be multicultural design system, not monocultural. So I always thought it would be so cool to visually communicate this. You know, one obvious way to do this was simply to say cheers in the many languages and cultures that we experience here in LA. I was actually a little shocked that that idea was on the table and no other beverage alcohol brand had done that. That's actually really true. Yeah. It's the first time I've seen it in different languages. Yeah, so when I was exploring, I'm like, I was kind of worried because, like, when you have a creative idea, no I think all it. of us, first thing you do is go to Google and like, oh, my God, <laughs> has someone taken this idea, you know, and you're just hoping no one has, you know? Um, but that was, that was the vision. So we wanted to, and the languages of Cheers, how we chose them was this. It not only represents the founders, but it's, it's also the, these cultures is where we drew flavor inspiration and technique from. You know, is it fully inclusive of Los Angeles? No, but it is, you know, these are the ones that, that we feel that influenced us a lot. Okay. And if we could really kind of be an, a, an aspirational example, that would be great. Mm -hmm. And I also want to shout out the design team. I could not have done this without Katrina Lung. Um, she is an amazing Viet designer, lives in Highland Park. I love Park. that, dude. I love uh, that you lifelong found a Viet designer. designer. Yeah, that. and then she reached out to another Viet designer named An who's amazing and did these really great illustrations for us. I love that, man. How awesome is that you also work with another Vietnamese American for, for the design aspect? It really shows in the packaging how important that is, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, lived, lived in experience, right? Brings a lot of that value in. So um, that was really wonderful. I mean, you could just have this like 
you just connect so much. Uh, like, I, I think I, I shared a story on Instagram. It was like first time we met, literally the first time we met, shared the vision. And then she tasted the diversity in our drinks. And like, she started just completing my sentences and thoughts, you know, let's do this and that. And, you know, she got to it right away. And I think that's what led to the speediness of mm. the whole creative process. Mm. You know, I think we got from conversation to like first iteration, which was a solid idea, which was like 80% of the way there, like within a week. And wow. then we finalized the process within six weeks. Wow. That is a crazy turnaround, right? Or something like that. Pull, pull it off at that scale too. Yeah, absolutely. We had to create a universal multicultural design system. And then after that, then we established each individual SKU. But creating the universal language first, that was key. Right. Because from there, you can kind of unpack and systemize and just, it's more modular after you create that system, right? That's right. Okay. I mean, we see it in your t-shirt that you're wearing right now. I see your can design. But the, the other thing is on your right arm sleeve is Los Angeles. I know you're a loud and proud Angelino. So tell me a little bit about LA, your love for LA and how it's like, it's really the inspiration for this brand too in many ways, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I oftentimes say that a brand like Vervet you know, an American brand like Vervet probably could only be born in a city like this sure, with sure. this vibe. You know, I say Vervet really is a, a celebration of a, the many global cultures mm. and the agriculture mm. here in Los Angeles. Um, my love for L.A., I mean, my dad came here in 1984 is when my Korean side of the family moved here. But I remember the first time coming to L.A. And imagine I'm coming out of Missouri. <laughs> I can't even imagine. Sorry, I can't even. I don't even know what that would feel like. And I, I came out here, and I was, it was seeing so many different cultures, right? And at that, you know, your first experience of a city is just usually uh, in the car seat looking out the window. Mm. It's just very surface level. But mm. what I was already seeing at the surface level, just going down the streets, you know, and seeing so many different languages yeah. and so many different types of restaurants and cultures and the depth. I mean, I would just, I mean, just simple things like, oh my gosh, the banks are even, in right. a, you know, That's in true. another language. That's you true. Know? Um, and I think the richness of this ecosystem, I just knew right then that like, this was, you know, I think we have many hometowns, you know, growing up. I know people like to say like, what's your hometown as if it's just really singular. Um, but I always felt like LA is my hometown. So does Saigon, though, too. You know mm. what I mean? That's why I always feel like I have more than one hometown. Um, even though I never lived in Busan, where my dad is from, I feel like that's my hometown, too. <laughs> you know? Got many and of course, Yeah, and St. Louis is just by the very fact that I just spent a significant amount of time there. Mm. I mean, I think we've already established how you're very intentional about who you're hiring, who you're working with in terms of just DEI, right? Um, but let's dive a little bit deeper because when I think about Vervet, I, I think about that a lot. And I know you you are very involved in this at a really another big company too in making sure that everyone is represented. But talk to me about how that's so important to you as, you, as you're building this brand, just diversity. You know, that, that importance kind of risen out of when you live a life of being excluded, you know you develop empathy because you mm. know what it's felt like to be left out. So how that scales is kind of what we see today, right? We see, you know, opportunity gaps. We see wealth gaps different lifestyles, standards, you know, the gaps are just really too big. And I see DEI is not just our company, our corporate responsibility. I also see it actually as our creative strength. Mm. 
it is our underlying magic mm. in this company because when you have a company that's really rich in multiple experience from many cultures, your intellectual toolbox and creative toolbox expands that much more. And at the same time, what you're doing um, at a business level is you're just really providing opportunities and you're hopefully we can be a model like as people begin to practice DEI more meaningfully within the company in terms of team building, we can really, you know, have, we could start work on closing these, these economic gaps and, you know, working towards a more equitable future. Hmm. Oh, I love that. I, I just really appreciate that you are really giving back to the Asian American community in so many different ways, in so many creative ways. So I, I've always respected and appreciated your work in, the, in that manner. Um, the other thing that you do really well is just the sustainability aspect of building your business, which I think, you know, nowadays it seems like almost uh, a, a must, right? But tell me a little bit about how you're thinking about that with Vervet. So we think about that from a few different aspects of packaging hmm. uh, and sourcing you know, and, you know, how we can be a more sustainable company in those areas. I always like to say, you know, our sustainability practices are not perfect, but our commitment to it is, you know, what we're able to do at the very first round, at the early stages, which is the most hard, um, you know, we obviously chose to not package like in glass or plastic. Yeah. Right. Right. So aluminum, uh, that material is amazing. One aluminum can, like over 98% of it will become another aluminum can. Mm. Um, It's also very light as packaging. So it's just, it's not as heavy. So when you're shipping it, you know, Mm. it doesn't use as much fossil fuels. Um, Our aluminum cans that we choose, uh, we select the cans with non-BPA lining. We pay more for that. you know, that goes towards sustainability. We just don't want to introduce, you know, BPA to, for human consumption, but just to have less of it out in the world. Um, from supply chain, like raw materials, we source as locally as possible. Our strawberries are from Oxnard, our cold-pressed strawberry juice. We even upcycle it whenever we can mm. because there's such an excess of it. So we'll look for agricultural excess that's marked for the waste stream. Wow. And we'll reach out and claim it. And so that, you know, it helps our cogs. And at the same time, you know, we're, we're upcycling, a, you know, a lot of material that would have gone to waste. Um, so, yeah, sourcing locally as much as possible. And, you know, I think this year we're going to be launching a partnership with Food Forward, wow. which is a really cool organization here in L.A. They um, are they see themselves as like urban reclaimers of all this that. incredible food that grows here sure 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 so as you know walking around la you see citrus trees everywhere mm. a lot of it just goes to waste but food forward will go and collect it from private properties um so we're going to begin to get like our eureka lemons and our wow. navel oranges there because we use the peels of navel oranges wow. and so we're going to always keep you know, improving our sustainability practices. And like, we just love to hear from people too, from the community, like reach out and tell us how we can improve. You know, we're always open to hearing it. Love that, man. I mean, since so we have a little bit of time, like tell me about your lineup, like the, like the cans you had, the flavors you have, dive a little bit deep into each one, your inspiration for them. I know you got the spiel down, so. <laughs> I, think I've heard, I, think, I feel like I've heard it a million times, but it doesn't get old. You've really perfected it. So I would love for you to just share a little bit about, you know, each can and what you have on the lineup. 
Well, our very first one is uh, a really cool. Our entire line is our first four cocktails are all 7% ABV. We kind of see them as kind of light. You know, they're clarified sparkling cocktails, a little bit lighter in ABV. Um, and I think what's cool about our entire line, too, is we don't use any chemical preservatives. Mm. Um, our, our preservative is actually a mushroom extract, oh, you know, wow. which I think is really cool. Mm. Um, and we're just trying to make really clean drinks overall. The Negroni Spritz is like we all love Negronis, so we wanted to give that flavor profile that really features. We made it a Maro featuring Saigon cinnamon. Yep. And mint. I love that. And then for bittering, we use Korean burdock. I mean, come on. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, that's cool. That's crazy. Um, we have a Pale Mary, which is inspired by Michelada and Bloody Mary, but we clarified it, uh, removed all the tomato salads. And that one's really cool because for salinity, at first we used sea salt, but I was in uh, Seoul and I noticed this green powder dipping salt. And. Um, it was delicious. I'm like, I just thought it was like salt plus seaweed. I wasn't that far off. But, uh, you know, us Koreans, we call it hamcho. And it's a succulent that grows near the ocean. Mm. It has uh, saltiness and umami. Oh, yeah. So we use that. And I met um, uh, Chris Lin. And he, is, has, he knows a farmer in Baja, California, uh, and who's growing salicornia. It's called salicornia in Mexico. So... That's a really cool feature. Um, and our latest one is, you know, we released a sake tonic. Delicious. You know, this January. So popular right now. People love it. I love it. Yeah, it's so great. easy to drink. Yeah, we, we, we're really happy that we spent a long time on it. I think what's really great about our sake tonic is it's, again, it's a vervet thing. So all California production. Um, the Junmai Ginjo sake is produced uh, from LA's first Kira by Troy Nakamatsu. And the rice, Yamada Nishiki rice, is grown here in California, too, as well. Mm. Polished here. Our tonic syrup, um, Cascade Hops from Soa Heart Farms, Yuzu from Mud Creek, and our kumquats are from um, Tarsadia Farms. But it's a really, we're really happy with it, you know, again, to provide an even lighter, a lower ABV cocktail. It's 4%. Or percent. Yeah, 4%. super crisp, fragrant. And um, we get to celebrate... Uh, another Angelino, a Japanese-American photographer, uh, Toyo Miyatake, uh, it's named after him. That's why it's called Toyo. Um, he was a photographer that, you know, imprisoned in Manzanar, and he snuck in uh, a camera lens, mm. and he meant a carpenter, and, you know, asked the carpenter to build him a lens board and a box. You know, he had some film on him, too, so he could document what was happening to that community. Uh, so, yeah, he's a hero, as you know, from a photographer standpoint and as an Asian-American. So we're really happy with this release. Awesome. So what is that, a total of five different right now? You got five cans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We <laughs> have five. It's a lot, too. Like, for all the uh, beverage entrepreneurs out there. That's I, a lot, actually. I don't recommend this. <laughs> don't I do can't this. believe you launched with, launch with four, right? Yeah. That is insane. Yeah. I don't think a lot of beverage brands do that, especially no. with that amount. No, I mean, looking back, I mean, you know, considering how small our team was, I mean, I can't believe we took on so much. I'm definitely amazed and very proud by what we've been accomplished, but it was hard. Um, and we probably put too much, you know, unnecessary work on us, you know, right. maybe launching with two. 
to begin with. Is that your advice for a future <laughs> yeah, aspiring beverage entrepreneurs? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's crazy, man. I mean, I think they're all great and, and there's something for everybody, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a savory cocktail. That's the Pale Mary. There's people, who, you know, a cocktail for like, the most popular drink is like uh, Moscow Mules and Margaritas. So we did a tiki-inspired margarita. Tiki tea. Yeah, and then we have people, you know, people who really like Aperol Spritz and uh, Negronis, the Italian sort of bittersweet cocktail tradition. We yeah. have our Negroni Spritz. And then um, for those who like, you know, uh, barrel-rested spirits, nice yeah. brown and rounds, we have uh, a really cool strawberry shrub with uh, oak barrel bitters and vanilla, so it tastes like a barrel-aged cocktail. It's really cool. Wow. I mean, since you guys thought about this idea, 2016, launched in 2019, I think since then there's definitely been a few canned cocktail brands that have launched, right, in the space. Mm -hmm. What makes you different from the next one? You know, I think, I mean, certainly our brand, you know, uh, and I think that creative vision of our brand, the multiculturalism, how it's in every aspect of our brand, team to recipe, you know, it's, it's permeated, I don't know if that's a word, it's embedded in the, the DNA of the company. I think that's what makes us really different. I think the other way, too, is like how we built our liquid. It's our own process. We really forged our own path. We didn't adopt status quo practices, you know. The, the pros of that is that you, and the pros of that is the outcome is you own your own process. It's singular. It's owned by you because you created it. Mm. The cons of that, it was really, really hard. Mm. You, know? Um, you know, we do our own infusions, right? We make our own bitters removed tomorrow. We had to do that from scratch. I can't um, believe you did all that from scratch. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of work. And, and shout out to Hope, my co-founder Hope, you know, who really put in a lot of time and hours um, in the R&D kitchen just, and, you know, at her apartment. And then going up to Ventura, which is like, you know, a two-hour drive to sort of complete the process. Um, and, you know, clarifying all of our juice, you know, that was something that we decided to do, you know, take that from behind the bar, behind the stick, and, and try to do that at scale. So that's, um, that really differentiates the product. And I think the fact that we're sourcing locally from farms, too, without, with this no chemical intervention, mm. our product's not heat-treated. You know, there's no chemical stabilizers, mm. you know. So the result of that is a very clean, fresh drink. We, you know, that we wanted to replicate the experience that you would get when a craft cocktail is made to order for you. Right, right, Seated right. at a bar. Right, right. We just had to learn a lot of food science, you know, and, and, and packaging science and, mm -hmm. you know, to, to attain that. Mm -hmm. what, what is the shelf life on, on your cans? I mean, certainly canning in and of itself uh, extends shelf life, uh, but, you know, at least a year. Wow. You know? Um, but, you know, we're, you know, of course, we're, you know, we want you to enjoy the cocktail. Like <laughs> right away. Yeah, not like fermented. And like... Right, right, right. But, you know, if you want to keep us in your go bag, you know, go right ahead. That's awesome, man. I feel like the fact that you were able to do this and build this product without chemical preservatives is, is quite a feat, right? Because most beverage brands probably dilute I think just building the process is entirely different from how you're building your cocktails. 
Yeah, we looked at the entire structure of how canned beverages were built, mm. and we just did everything differently. Right, and right. Uh, down to the preservation, you know, it was it's really cool. We use this mushroom extract that's really made for liquid. Um, and I think a part of food and beverage that's that's happening in the CPG space, like there's many heroes of ours, you know, brands that we really have a lot of respect for. And one of that is the values is transparency. And that's what we, we're all about. We want to be really transparent with our process and our ingredients. I mean, I think as bartenders, like we really care. We always cared about what goes into your glass because that's going to go into your body. Mm. We're pouring into a can now, but we still care the same. Mm. Right. It's just a different vehicle for it. That's right. Awesome. And for people that are listening, they want to try your product in LA or not in LA, how can they get a, get a can? Where you well, at? I mean, whether you're in California or outside of California, uh, we ship to 39 states, uh, drinkvervet.com. And if you're within L.A., um, we're just beginning to create some. There's a lot of great partners we have right now where you could experience our drink on site paired with food. You know, I mean, that's where we come from, right? Um, everything from Yangban Society to Chifa to Pine and Crane to Joy on York and Yojimbo. Um, and we're coming to Kensho, Ryokan, too, as well. Oh, nice. And uh, our retailers, we're growing. Um, here in LA, we're at Barkeeper and Stanley's Wet Goods and Hilo and Mission. But you know, if you follow along to at Drink for Vet on Instagram or go to our website, you can see a growing list of how you can experience our drinks. Awesome. Got one last question for you because we just celebrated Lunar New Year. So technically, it's the start of the new year. What are you focusing on this year? And maybe we can look back at this episode and see if, if you've accomplished them. What, do, what are your goals for this year, man? What are some benchmarks? I think some of what we really want to focus on is um, making sure the community is able to experience our drinks. You know, mm. now that we've, you know, I think both of us, right, we're, we're creators and, you know, and we're really good at that part. We're really good at creating drinks and recipes and process. And one of the things we have to stop doing is thinking of, oh, hey, let's do this drink next. Oh, yeah, you told me about that. Because <laughs> that's, you're, you're, that's where the fun is, right? That's where the fun is. But really what we would, you know, what we really want to be focused on is now that we've got these, these drinks made and they're ready to go, we want to make sure that we're sharing them, you know, with, with the community, with the people of Los Angeles, because this is a celebration of Los Angeles, right? It's a celebration of the, the many communities and, and all the immigrant communities here, you know, it's, it's a reflection of the people here and the culture. So that's, that's something that I want to do more. And that's going to be done through events and just making sure that we're getting into your your neighborhoods your neighborhood stores so you can experience us conveniently um and then just doing really great collaborations you know too as well i think that's great like there's so many wonderful communities that we have allyship with i mean vervet really is a an allyship brand mm. you know we really try to to lead with that so we have a lot of um Great surprises coming up. I can, I, I here. Well, you heard it here first. How about I just drop Do one? It, drop it. Give it to me. Give okay. me an exclusive. All right. Um, here it is for the first time on with warm welcome. Um, we are working with uh, Daniel Nguyen of Songhai Distillery, mm -hmm. which is Vietnam's first premium craft distillery. Wow. He makes these most beautiful gins using 
uh, indigenously grown botanicals. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has a science background. So what he's doing is really, really special. If you haven't tried Songkai Jin, um, definitely go out and grab a bottle. Go to the website. It is really, really special. So we're working on a cocktail together. Wow. So uh, we want to release it uh, next Lunar New Year, or in, in, in you know, Vietnamese community, we call it Tet. Mm. So for Tet 23, wow. uh, Year of the Cat, wow. um, we're going to release a, a special collaborative cocktail. Wow. You heard it here first. Next year. That's the, that's the um, what is that, the sixth cocktail, huh? Yeah, that would be very limited edition. Um, you know, so I think that's the, I think that's the cool thing about it is the fact that it's going to appear. It's seasonal. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. I love it. And um, for the listeners, we're also doing a free shipping promo, right? That's right. So um, for all the listeners out there, um, go to our website. Use promo code WWW or with warm welcome. And uh, shipping is on us. I love it. Appreciate you, man. I, I really want to get this in the hands of many, many, many people. And I think you've built something amazing. You know, I, I think it's more than just a cocktail, more than just a canned cocktail. You've really, really built something special here. And I'm so happy for you. And I'm so, I, I just love that you're here. You actually helped me fall in love with LA too. And I will never forget that. So I appreciate you, man. Oh, man. I appreciate you too. Love you, Arnold. That is the end of this episode of Weekly Welcome. I'll see you next time on Wednesday for another edition. Just want to take some time now to thank Tuin for being on the show, for your friendship, and just for your leadership. Uh, really respect the way you're building your business with representation in mind. And it's really, you know, the idea of what it means to be an American brand. I think you're changing it. So keep crushing it, Tuin. Respect you, brother. And I'll see you next week on Weekly Welcome.